Well, hello again, everyone, and thank you for watching. This is the Giant Health Show, and uh, I'm delighted to introduce you to my close associates and uh, esteemed fellow health tech innovators in tonight's episode, which is all about healthcare tech innovation. So uh, welcome to Lawrence and Alistair and Natalie. Nice to see you guys. And obviously, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Great really to appreciate that. Yeah. Great Great to be having us. Thank you. So to begin with, uh, I just want to ask each of you individually to introduce yourself uh, very briefly, please, and also to tell us a little bit about your background and also what is it that you're passionate about in the field of healthcare. So uh, please begin. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm Lawrence. I'm, I did a PhD in brain tumors a long time ago, and then I went into a number of commercial roles. Uh, in my current role, I'm head of innovation and impact for an NHS health charity. Uh, the charity that's linked to one of the large London trusts, uh, Chelsea and Westminster NHS. Excellent. And there we run a grants program that aims to help frontline staff, clinical staff, but also operational staff, to um, really turn their um, dreams for change and innovation and service improvement into reality. Mm -hmm. So when we work very closely with the staff. I'm very passionate. I'm also a, a navigator for the Digital Health London Accelerator and a partner for the Microsoft Accelerator. Oh, I'm very passionate about um, frontline clinicians and the support that these uh, remarkable professionals need in some cases to deliver innovation. Excellent. Uh, frontline clinician, if you can just clarify exactly what that means. Frontline, frontline clinical staff are staff that um, uh, deliver care to mm -hmm. patients uh, daily. They, ha they, are, they are tasked with this operational, uh, complicated operational task of taking care of people that are ill. Okay. Uh, and, and that's very often not immediately uh, linkable to change in management and innovation. So Understood, yeah. Great, Lawrence, thank you very much. Um, Natalie, please. Thank you. So I'm Natalie, and I suppose my healthcare professional job started about 10, 15 years ago now. Wow, um, you I started when you were 10. Well, <laughs> I, I am a little <laughs> bit older than I, I look, oh, apparently. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so. I've been working in healthcare for quite a while and I started as a frontline healthcare professional actually as a healthcare assistant working with people um, in elderly care homes, nice. managing um, all of their needs. Mm -hmm. I then moved on to study a degree in physiotherapy and then practiced as a physiotherapist for about nine years and I worked in a lot of different areas. I took time specialising in managing people with long-term conditions, particularly people with long-term persistent pain okay. um, and for me my passion is really the patient experience um, and how we can improve that yes um, from so that important. yeah so from working as a physiotherapist I found my passion for improving the patient experience mm -hmm. and one of the things that I found a big issue was the fact that people's health records don't follow them. Mm -hmm. And that's where I ended up meeting Medical Chain, Excellent. which is the company that I'm currently the communications director for. Oh, perfect. Um, and our mission is to empower patients by giving them full access and control over sharing their health records. So. Big issue. Yeah, so they can take them from <laughs> place to place with them. Yeah. Um, so that's a big passion of mine. Excellent. No, good to hear and uh, looking forward to hearing more about that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Alistair, please. So, hi, uh, I'm Alistair Martin. Um, I'm the Director of Business Development at Transforming Systems. Um, my background, um, I was in the NHS. I left the NHS in 2015 to become part of the uh, Transforming Systems team. Um, I've been an urgent care commissioner, 
uh, and urgent care is really my bag actually to be mm -hmm. honest uh, I've been in and around urgent care for for uh, many years uh, I was a general manager for accident and emergency in acute medicine um, uh, before becoming uh, an urgent care commissioner and um, have also got uh, experience with uh, deploying large-scale transformations across the NHS so I'm uh, trained to black belt level in the Six Sigma and I do process redesign and control and stuff. Um, met Lawrence uh, through the Digital Health Accelerator Program, which oh, okay. Systems joined this uh, last year, just gone. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we went to market with uh, an idea uh, to do with urgent care, which is that um, uh, urgent care providers have been kind of set up as quasi-autonomous business units that manage their own data and manage themselves within that data but mm -hmm. they don't see the whole urgent care pathway because the data is managed in data silos right so we bring that data together in one view in real time so it allows uh, operational teams to actually see the whole picture as it's happening in real time Super, um, like uh, a dashboard kind of thing exactly so mm -hmm. that you can um, respond so an acute hospital for example at any given time mm -hmm. will manage around 15 percent of the urgent care pathway the okay. rest is managed around it. So it has to be very reactive because yes. you can't see what's going on. Sure. Um, but actually, if you can show them what's going on with 111, with 909, with community services, with social care, they start to see where capacity is within the system. Mm -hmm. And it allows them to pull levers in the system when they start to get busy that they didn't know existed. Um, so our um, solutions are very much focused around flow. We also have a patient app solution called Waitlist, which uses real-time waiting time information for A&E and urgent treatment centres uh, and geolocation and uh, traffic and travel technology to tell you the quickest place to go in a minor emergency. Okay. Because we figured out that patients commit very quickly when they hurt themselves uh, to where they're going to go. Most of them choose an A&E, yes. which is part of the overcrowding problem nationally. But mm. around them are a whole range of urgent treatment centres that are mm -hmm. open for 12 hours a day, have diagnostic services, co-located um, uh, ALS trained staff um, that uh, are often running at much less waiting times to the overcrowded accident emergency departments. Mm. So by using that technology in a simple three-second nudge, uh, we managed to reduce accident emergency attendances by 11% uh, in minors by wow. uh, just putting in a simple nudge yes. through an app. That's uh, magnificent. We must hear a little bit um, yeah. more about that yeah, yeah, uh, sure. later on. Thank you very much no for the introduction. Good. Okay, so, and of course, as you know, my name is Barry Schreier. My background is as a tech entrepreneur. I've had exits in telecoms and in clean tech, and I'm currently the founder and the chief executive of the Giant Health event. Giant is all about bringing everyone together in the healthcare sector. Our vision is to improve the health and the well-being of people around the world by supporting tech innovation in healthcare and promoting entrepreneurship. So that's what Giant is about. Good. Anyhow, thanks everyone for the introductions. I appreciate that. Uh, what we want to do is we want to look at three questions tonight. We'll start with one very broad question and then follow on two more questions. We don't have too much time, so if it's agreeable, let's keep our answers brief. And uh, if I don't like the answers, I'll just cut you off and provide my answer for you. <laughs> so uh, we'll see do. how that goes. <laughs> No, joking aside, uh, we're talking about healthcare tonight, yeah. obviously, one of the most important aspects of, uh, of humanity. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we wanted to ask a very broad question to begin with, and that is from your perspective, 
What are some of the big new challenges in healthcare today? Things perhaps that didn't exist 50 or 100 years ago. So uh, we just want to look at this to begin with. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges, uh, the biggest changes in healthcare today? Mm. So um, if you don't mind, Lawrence, please begin. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, uh, I fear I might start uh, in a bit, a bit of a boring way. That's okay. In the same way that most reviews, uh, Deloitte, think tank paper starts mm -hmm. and talk about chronic disease and an aging population. So, sorry, it's not a new problem. Well, but, but I think that the pressures that these drivers are putting on the system are new in terms of just how urgent, yes. so urgently solutions are needed mm -hmm. and how big the problem is becoming. Absolutely. Uh, Could you help our viewers please to understand uh, chronic disease? What are examples of that? Well, we're talking about really societies where disease is not a, a condition that's uh, addressed therapeutically and then moved on to the past. It's a condition that goes on for years. Okay. In some cases, can go on for decades mm -hmm. uh, and can stay with the patient till the patient's death, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Can severe, severely compromise quality of life. Yes. And can be associated with a number of so-called comorbidities. Mm -hmm. uh, classic uh, chronic diseases are um, asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, mm -hmm. um, card cardi cardiology, cardiovascular conditions, right. diabetes, of course. Mm. So all th this uh, this uh, this uh, amalgamation of chronic disease. Okay. Uh, really, I think is posing some unprecedented pressures on healthcare systems. Sure. Just so a, an example from disease. an example from mm -hmm. the in, the organization I work very closely with, Chelsea and Westminster. Mm -hmm. Chelsea had its busiest day in A and E in history just uh, a week ago. Wow. Uh, now no, that's not all related to chronic disease, but a lot of it is, and I mm -hmm. think we have a specialist here to test. To, um, to mm -hmm comment on that. And also one of our sites, the uh, West Middlesex site, because mm -hmm. the Ch Chelsea uh, Trust has uh, two sites, two hospital sites, serving um, about a million patients a year. Okay. One of our sites um, reports one in five mothers having gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. That's an incredibly high percentage. Mm, absolutely. And uh, really in that area of, of, of chronic disease. Of course, mm. gestational diabetes is not chronic, but it, diabetes very much is. So. Understood. So chronic disease obviously is one of the leading themes, isn't it, in healthcare I would say, today? I would say. Yeah, no, thank you for that. So um, Alistair, if you can uh, add to that, would you agree or anything else that you consider to be one of the biggest issues in healthcare today? Yeah, so I think um, to build on the picture that Lawrence has just uh, just dis displayed there, yes. you know, we, we have a um, an aging population. We're getting better at managing complex conditions, so mm -hmm. uh, we're helping to keep people uh, living longer um, by um, balancing multiple multiple organ complexities. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, um, that is costing a lot more money. Mm -hmm. So if we look at, I've seen uh, some really interesting. Uh, uh, numbers lately around uh, since 1958 the funding of the NHS actually uh, we've had a gap in funding since then uh, which has been growing progressively larger and we've yes. hit a kind of a tipping point because these conditions are very expensive to manage mm. uh, typically as well the architecture around a lot of our estates needs to be significantly upgraded in mm -hmm. order to uh, in, in implement the new technologies that will help drive efficiencies and there isn't the money to do with the double running. So the big challenge for me, I'd, I'd pose that adds on to that, is technological adoption. 
because actually you've got to maintain business services. We're running at 92% occupancy rates in many of our beds, right. for example. Uh, and at the same time, you, we're looking to new solutions that can uh, support the reductions in those length of stays that you need, mm. um, but don't have the physical architecture around us to be able to influence some of those technologies. So mm -hmm. that would be my sure. big challenge. The promise of technology being that it can deliver or assist with achieving better outcomes Absolutely. at lower cost. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and we're seeing, you know, we're in a real um, digital explosion, uh, mm -hmm. particularly in the UK, I feel now, with uh, the advances in uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, mm -hmm. um, what we're uh, looking at doing with integrating shared records, for example, uh, that follow patients around. Uh, and then combining that with the technologies that are already out there in the marketplace, stuff like CityMapper, for example, mm -hmm. uh, which have uh, real opportunities for integration with health uh, services. Um, but of course, the big challenge is doing the day job and implementing that at the same time, and how exactly. do we overcome that? Yes, great. No, that's very helpful. Good addition to the uh, initial ideas from Lawrence, thank you. And um, Natalie, please, we're talking obviously about what do we feel are the biggest or some of the most important yeah. issues in healthcare and biggest changes recently. And I think I'm almost going to draw on something that you've, you've both said, um, mm. the fact that we have an uh, ever-aging population, um, a lot more people with long-term health conditions, mm -hmm. um, and data that's being siloed that doesn't seem to follow patients mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. But we don't seem to have addressed the issue that people are quite pacified in our healthcare system. So mm -hmm. they go to the doctor or they go to the hospital, and a lot of the treatment that we're providing is passive. We seem to live in an era where all systems are designed to make the system better, rather than the patient better and I, I think one of the big issues is that we're not necessarily collaborating with patients in a transparent manner that in a way that they can manage their own conditions which I think would help alleviate a lot of the issues that Very we have so. Yes. so say for example if we could allow patients to take their health records with them from place to place and share them with health professionals and work in partnership with health professionals mm -hmm. to address what that patient really needs. Mm -hmm. We're very focused on reducing um, costs, improving efficiencies, but for me, the real issue we need to be solving is how can we help people better manage their health? Right. Is that related to or part of, uh, what would you call it, patient empowerment, so to speak? Yeah, so I think it's about improving patient centricity, okay. placing the patient at the heart of their care, mm, empowering mm. them with the information they need in a way that they can understand it mm. so they can better manage their own health. Yes. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And I Absolutely. think, yeah, combining understanding what people with long-term conditions want mm -hmm. with the technology that they want to use, yes. you know, maybe we can look into these things. Yes, absolutely. Which mm. leads us to our next question. So that's yes. um, very, very fortuitous. Um, but with the first question, we're looking at the biggest themes, the biggest issues in healthcare and, and, and uh, w what needs to be addressed. Um, I'm surprised no one mentioned baldness, but I suppose <laughs> there are other issues in addition to that which do need to be uh, 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 addressed, if not um, championed. Um, joking aside, though, we're looking at these big issues in healthcare. They are uh, quite challenging for society. Mm -hmm. And uh, the issue of uh, empowering the patient is mm -hmm. profound. The fact that the healthcare industry itself is moving from what traditionally uh, is now called sick care, uh, addressing s patients when they are unwell, 
to uh, more, I guess, wellness, mm. which is what every society needs to concern itself with in the future. And um, that's quite a challenge. Um, but thank you very much. Good answers. And what we want to talk about now, though, are uh, the technology innovations. So the second question is, what are some examples of uh, technologies which have been developed recently, or, or even historically, which have been successfully implemented and are addressing big challenges or uh, overcoming uh, big problems in healthcare? So, um, Alistair, please, uh, if you have any ideas there. So, um, I think um, the, well, the interesting stuff uh, that I, I, I find fascinating is around stuff that taps into kind of that nudge theory. You know, how are we, because technological advances are enablers, aren't they? Uh, but yes. how do we actually... Um, I actually tap into that and get it used in a way that's you know mm. adopted by the public. What is nudge theory? So um, the behavioural insights team spun out of the cabinet office a couple of years ago um, and are now set up as a social enterprise uh, service. The behavioural psychologists that sort of um, were around during the, uh, David Cameron's Big Society. Okay. Um, they. Uh, look at uh, ways to apply a nudge to large-scale populations okay. to um, essentially uh, change behaviour on a mm -hmm. macro level. Right. Um, and that is uh, a nudge theory. So a small nudge might be, for example, how do we get people to pay their taxes on time, okay. for example. Right. Um, in our case, with what we did with uh, our app Weightless, we uh, applied the three-second nudge to show them the quickest place they could go to access treatment. And 11% mm -hmm. of patients didn't go to A&E and chose to go to alternative facilities. Which they would not have done previously. Yes. They would have originally just gone straight to A&E. Yes. Okay. So that's new technology nice. influencing a nice, yeah, exactly, a, a big populational change. Mm. And um, we're starting to see the emergence of stuff like the GP at hand app mm -hmm. um, that's uh, from Babylon, which mm -hmm. um, really, it talks about what you were talking about, then uh, empowering patients to, um, help them self-diagnose um, and there is a whole range of different apps out there that will allow you to go through that kind of a triaging process um, uh, and some of them are good and some of them need some work uh, sure. and actually um, I think for me the bit is uh, how do we uh, measure and test that across the NHS to make sure that everything else that's coming out is you know a, a good quality and actually gives you that sort of impact. So there's mm. the measurement end of it as well. Yep. But that for me is uh, one of the big uh, emerging areas that, that those, because uh, it's great to build a toy, but how do you actually make that stick? Yeah, uh, mm. a very good point. Mm. Anything else you want to add to that, Natalie? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned some of those projects because um, we're actually working on an innovation in which we are allowing people to be empowered by having full right. access and control over their health data. Right. And, so and, they, and they want it? Well, it's, it's really interesting because we've just got, um, Medical Chain has a partnerships with the Grove Medical Group okay. um, in which they have over 31,000 patients registered there. Oh, and we'll be rolling out a trial with them mm -hmm. very soon, which will include the Medical Chain healthcare passport and also some telemedicine services. But oh. these telemedicine services will actually integrate their health records mm -hmm. into the telemedicine platform. Nice. And it's actually to support the GPs themselves so you know we're not asking patients to, to join our telemedicine service right. we're supporting the GPs in providing the telemedicine with the services platform they have already for with their with our platform but for their patients oh, I see. so you know they don't okay. have to move and re-register anywhere else they can mm -hmm. stay with their their current GPs mm -hmm. um, and we're looking at innovations to improve the access to that care mm -hmm. so there'll be an application in which patients will be able to 
easily book appointments and see their GPs, yes. um, but also integrating their healthcare passport, which is a health record they could take around with them wherever they are in the world and access those health services, even, even from abroad. Yes, which is crucial, isn't it? Yeah. yeah if technology can accomplish anything. Yeah. Mm, very interesting. Lawrence, anything else you want to add on this? We're just talking, obviously, uh, before we get to the big question about ad adoption, uh, the question of uh, examples of uh, technology which you feel have uh, been implemented successfully and are making a difference. I wanted to start with an off-the-theme remark that sure. Nature magazine yesterday published that uh, a group reporting a new class of synthetic antibiotics that managed to kill MRSA-resistant bacteria. So it's not all digital, yeah? It's not all about digital. Um, in terms of digital, uh, big stuff, I think we need to mention the Apple news yes. and the integration with the 13 providers in the States. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that relates very well to the uh, integration of patient and the patient centricity. Yeah. Uh, Can you elaborate on that in case so any of our viewers aren't exactly clear? Um, in, in fact, I met the chief digital officer from NHS England uh, just right this morning who had a very personal um, uh, experience in the U.S. and knows much about much more about this than I. But in, mm -hmm. in essence, Apple has released uh, a solution that allows patient records, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys know more about this than I, uh, that allows patients to view their patient records right. on their mobile phones. Yep rather seamlessly okay and this is not working with just anybody you know they're working with John Hopkins on this and, and mm. another 12 large US providers so I think mm. that's really sh uh, flexing one's muscle to the holy grail of digital health conference talk and <laughs> and what what we are all commenting on as you know the goal yes um, patient centricity and, and inter interoperability yes but I, I, w I wanted to make a comment on uh, the fact that healthcare environments I think uh, are so behind in some cases, uh, and I'm not talking about my own hospital, mm -hmm. our own hospital, which is mm -hmm. the best, um, clearly. Um, but they're so behind in some cases, our uh, healthcare environments, that actually, in some, in many cases, it's not about the biggest solutions. It's really about standard solutions that perhaps other industries have addressed already. I'll give you oh, examples okay. of, uh, you know, uh, optimizing efficiency in outpatients appointments, how mm -hmm. we book our appointments, mm -hmm. or how do we discharge patients, mm -hmm. or how do we monitor the movement of assets around an organization. Yes. You know, the th things like that, I think, are big hemorrhages for our systems and do don't need groundbreaking AI and ML and mm. predictive analytics to no. be solved. No, that's a very good point. Mm. We do have to focus on this critical challenge, which is the adoption, isn't it? The, the, the making mm -hmm. these superb technologies uh, work in the real world uh, at the coalface uh, environment. And uh, uh, my colleagues always laugh at me because my eye watch is always telling me to walk more or to stand up or to breathe. And I didn't realize before I bought the eye watch that I had trouble breathing. But it reminds me once an hour to breathe, which is quite helpful. <laughs> and uh, it enabled me to get here today. So um, bless this new technology. Uh, joking aside, this is the big challenge for technology. Uh, how do we get it into the hands of clinicians or the hands of patients mm -hmm. and then get them to use it? So uh, let's wrap up in terms of the final section of tonight's conversation, uh, looking at that. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you guys uh, to comment on this theme, and that is, uh, how do we overcome the adoption challenge? What are the barriers? Um, if, you, uh, uh, if, if you were the, um, the prime minister, uh, what would you be doing to enable 
technology to be adopted more successfully? What are the barriers out there that we have to bring to everyone's attention? So um, Natalie, if you don't mind, if you can help us with that. I suppose there's a, a few ways of looking at this. Um, a lot of innovations tend to take quite a top-down approach where mm. they look at trying to change policy, implement within organizations and filter through doctors and yes. then eventually end up in the hands of users or, or, or patients or the people that use our healthcare services. However, there is some suggestion that there's, there's a lot of red tape that surrounds this. Sure. Um, and by the time it gets to the user, if it ever does, it's often quite diluted as an idea now. Mm. Whereas what we think would be great is actually if we went direct to patients and to frontline staff and said, what is it that's going to help you? Mm -hmm. Raise awareness with people at the frontline and the patients themselves and design things that are suitable for patients and doctors look at implementing and getting the, those users to start using these things in hope that healthcare organizations will see the benefits for patients, for yes. doctors, and implement that way. We, we actually did a similar rollout with a product called Discharge Summary, oh, okay. um, which improved the efficiencies of discharges from acute care to, to sort of a GP primary care setting. Right. And that was adopted by rolling out a system with GPs, getting them mm -hmm. to copy and paste information from one system to the other. They found it very quick, it very worked. fast, and it worked. Yes. And it's been adopted by five or six trusts around the country. Oh, so, fantastic. Good you know, actually uh, going direct to the users mm -hmm. is something that I think could be very valuable. I agree. Yeah, yeah. no, good impetus. So, um, Alistair, please, we don't have too much time, uh, so a brief sure. answer well, if that's so okay. So we've got lots of experience in this area. Uh, we scaled winter market in 2015 and we've scaled across 18% of the NHS now with our innovations by um, building bespoke solutions for frontline services and right. then applying the learning that you take from every other area back into your existing customer base. Mm -hmm. So all the legacy accounts benefit from the rollouts and what you learn from the new areas. And you're having bespoke technological solutions for every single organization that you're working for. Right. And then um, uh, sharing best practice at scale. So we're part of the National Innovation Accelerator Program. Mm -hmm. um, we, we f I feel that uh, a lot of staff in the NHS have had technology done to them over the last mm -hmm. decade. Right. So they've had um, patient administration systems kind of imposed on them. Mm -hmm. And it's led, in my view, to a lot of nurses on wards rejecting a lot sure. of that technology, which is why you find PAS... I like that collaborative approach that yeah. Natalie was recommending. Yeah, mm. which is why you find PAS systems where the ward clerk updates the information once a day um, and it's not real time mm -hmm. because they don't, they see them as administrative tools rather than uh, information tools, you know, that can support them with what they're doing. So again, the requirement for the technology to be implemented successfully by way of engaging with the frontline staff. Exactly, and yeah. what, what tends to work, I mean, if you know, we've built solutions with uh, community hospital ward sisters with 25 years of experience, and mm -hmm. they're building something that works for them. Mm -hmm. You take it elsewhere and you go to apply it. People go, oh, I can see why that works, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, you know, you, you triple the value uh, of uh, your, your digital innovation by, uh, by making it easy and making it simple, and then finding a way to switch off the old stuff uh, that's the other thing. Exactly. Uh, make sure you strip out the non-value-added processes. Yes. 
Good stuff. Thank you very much for that. No uh, we've got about a minute or two left. So, uh, Lawrence, do you want to add on to that? And also, if you don't mind helping everyone to understand about the whole digital health initiative, which is extremely exciting and accelerator here. Yes, please. So the accelerator is a structure that tries to improve the efficiency the tr of the transaction between small, medium enterprise and startups here in London okay. in digital health and London NHS. Okay. And it does it in a number of ways. Mm -hmm. um, one of the ways is it places navigators that are sort of relationship and business development people, mm -hmm. really, close to businesses, selected businesses, and helps them transact and helps them come closer to, 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 to decision makers. Yes. Um, the word signposting and showing people where the door to the NHS, uh, there were lo loads of expressions. Okay. But, uh, so it is a, a way of improving adoption. Mm -hmm. And I think it exemplifies not only the digital health and accelerator generally, also what our charity does, what we do at Chelsea. What, what the real theme for me is, of course, frontline staff, but the skill and the headspace that's yes. needed. Yes. The skill. Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily just the matchmaking. Alistair here talked to. Yeah. Not necessarily here's 50K or 200,000 or 3 million for that matter, do it. Mm -hmm. But actually the skill around the problem definition, the solution development, the solution design, mm -hmm. the evidence generation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all that in our experience at Chelsea and Westminster and, and CW Plus requires a lot of dedicated resource. Yes. And I'm, I, uh, a, a recent publication from the States that queried about 350 execs in, in healthcare and organizations mm -hmm. reported uh, in September last year. 75% of hospitals for above 400 beds mm -hmm. uh, are in the States are developing a sort of dedicated innovation resource. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's not Do something you feel that, that will take over. Do you feel that, that that trend will continue? I think it's inevitable because uh, of the uh, skill that th this this skill set that's missing, mm -hmm. and it's not a bad thing to say that frontline staff or even executives in sure. the healthcare miss a skill uh, uh, don't have these skill sets because it's really not part of everyday operations or even education. Mm. So it's really the value of teamwork, I think, in a multidisciplinary setting. Yes. Innovation is living at the edge. Mm -hmm. It's it's an edge between demand and supply. Yes. It's an edge between stakeholders that know how to do different things. Mm -hmm. So it's really the challenge, I think, is having the resource locally. Yes. And I stress that, locally, not mm -hmm. regionally or na nationally, locally, Interesting. to the mm -hmm. right next to the, to, yes. to, to the stakeholders. Yeah, I agree completely. And that absolutely echoes what you guys have been saying. So um, good information. And um, in terms of uh, focus and passion and intelligence, what a treat to have you guys uh, join us That's today. So um, thank, you. thank you very much. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you, thank you thank Natalie. You and much. thank you, Lawrence. Great being here. Thank uh, you. It's good to have you guys here and uh, hope to keep in touch with you. And uh, thank you to all of our viewers. Obviously, we're grateful for you and uh, your interest in healthcare and technology and innovation. Once again, my name is Barry Schreier. This has been the Giant Health Show, looking at technology innovation and making the world a better place. So thank you very much.